You're listening to a Hindustan Times production brought to you by HD Smartcast. Hi, this is Manjula Narayan, National Books Editor, Hindustan Times, and this is the Books and Authors podcast. It's a weekly podcast where I speak to authors who've got a new book out. Hi, so today I have with me Esther David, who's written Bene Appetit: The Cuisine of Indian Jews. Hi, Esther. Hi. Hello, Manjula. So it's yeah. really good to have you here because I was reading the book and it's very interesting of course. Yes, thank you. <laughs> yes. Uh, you know let's start with an easy question. How did you come to write this book? Um since uh, the beginning of my writing career like novels I have uh, I yes. mean sort of uh, I had to do a lot of research and study uh, because uh, that used to be what you call academic scholarly books on indian jews but uh, mm. very few uh, themes on the jewish how do i mean jewish life in india so i decided mm. to understand myself and the jews of india were very few in number so i thought let me start in this way through my novels in the beginning mm. i accept that i was not uh, very well i did not know so much about uh, indian jewish life and i had mm. to do a lot of study and research to reach a point even then i was hesitating as uh, this is a very complicated issue because it has uh, what we call we have laws for everything the jewish uh, mm. indian jews and jews all over the world there are laws and the dietary law is one of the biggest uh law which is followed by some uh very strictly uh, in an orthodox uh, conservative religious way and mm. some uh, uh, do come midway uh, but then yeah. i was when i was researching for all my novels and uh, say mostly between uh, western india like uh, ahmedabad bombay alibag and all and then through conferences going to cochin and uh calcutta i came to the and meeting jews of uh, various uh, regions at conferences i realized that uh, it is very difficult to keep the dietary law and to be jewish in a very uh, a sort of country like india which has a uh, very multicultural in many ways and how do you preserve your uh, jewish identity in a sort of where you are surrounded by other things and how do you keep on living a life so i sometimes call it a secret life because uh, there are a lot of uh, little uh, rules and ways to so i thought it was very very difficult and often uh, starting with myself and some other young people and other older people also there are sometimes cross cultural conflicts you know that you do feel attracted to something like say mithai you know indian mithai uh, mm. and uh, according to the law we cannot mix dairy with this and you cannot mix with that so uh, i said uh, when we have meat and milk dishes have to be separate so okay. however much you like mithai <laughs> and you grow up looking at all the mithai <laughs> you can only have it when you have vegetarian food you cannot have it when you have non vegetarian food so what i mean it's a, a slight conflict or slight denial takes place 
so okay. the elders from ancient times they started uh, sort of making sure i'm sure they all went through this process of uh, attraction and denial so i the the elders from ancient times i think we arrived like more than 2000 years back uh, to find ways and means that even our cuisine was attractive and uh, sort of uh, delicious and uh, it would counter all that we saw around us so uh, so they uh, they must have uh, studied what was happening and uh, a lot of recipes till recently not uh, not since the last uh, 25 years i see less and less because mm. earlier this was all mostly made by women in our mm. community is very interesting that uh, men serve also you know like men serve food okay. Okay. and for our rituals also men play a very important part so men and women both but basically mm. most of the cooking is done by women and mm. uh, since the last 25 years or 30 years more and more women are working outside the house so yeah. these have become what you call more or less lost recipes and okay. uh, uh, we do cook during festival times and then slowly as you see the history of uh, indian jews uh, since the mid uh, late 50s uh, there has been a uh, immigration towards israel and yes. other western countries so uh, what is happening that uh, few indian jews are left behind and then it's uh, when we when we have festivals it's a little uh, not so uh, so festive to be alone at home or do it with two three people you know so yeah. we started a process where mm-hmm. uh, um, normally we 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 live around uh, we live in places where there are synagogues most of us most indian mm-hmm. jews you will find mm-hmm. most of them and while researching for my book also i found that most indian jews like to stay close to a synagogue where during festivals they will meet and uh, sort of uh, normally uh, sort of celebrate the prayers uh, first say the prayers together and celebrate the festival by say eat together and stay together that's how uh, it's been for some years i say for two three festivals we don't all always eat together but uh, normally we make it a point that if uh, uh most of the major festivals uh, we make sure that uh, it is made at the synagogue uh, and there is always somebody who knows the uh, traditional way of making it that's amazing that i found that always uh, there was somebody who knew the recipe you know okay. it would be all the anybody anybody but mostly there is somebody who cooks traditional food not fully okay. traditional sometimes uh, it can go a little hey var but <laughs> see for passover <laughs> but for passover it is definitely uh, you have to do it in this way so okay. uh, it is the passover table is uh, spread in the way that i have written in my book okay. and uh, shabbat is also done and it's universal you know shabbat and passover these are universal all jews mm-hmm. all over the world they will do it in this way mostly Um, the only difference is uh, we have to indian jews uh, have to make everything themselves we indian jews we mm. cannot buy it off the rack you know okay. like yeah. say in the west you can buy it off the rack 
like yes. uh, we like say matzo bread which is unleavened bread uh, mm. during passover the crossing uh, the 10 commandments film the crossing of the red sea yes. when they came on this side uh, after uh, fleeing from egypt and uh, they were the women uh, they knew that everybody has to be fed so they were carrying uh, dough which they had rolled with little water and had brought it on the other side uh, for freedom and the first yeah. thing they did was uh, make matzo bread what we call matzo bread and okay. sometimes we indian jews we uh, we refer to it as bhakri which okay. is very similar but it has to be made immediately like you roll it in water and immediately it has to be made so okay. so that's in in the west you get all ready uh, factory made and made uh, kosher with the right blessings and it's available but it looks totally different from what we make the bhakri <laughs> but it is known as matzo bread okay. Okay. Uh -huh. okay so let me just read this flap of the book so that you know the yes. listeners know yes. have an introduction to what the book is about yes know? yes yes the indian jewish community comprises a tiny but important part of the population huh. over the centuries its members have stuck to their dietary laws and integrated indian habits with their customs yes. leading to some unique ceremonies rituals and recipes that have been passed down from one generation to another huh. despite living in different corners of india they are still bound by the common threads of food and religion huh. however with modernization and emigration many of the traditions are fast being forgotten In Bene Apatit, Esther David, a Bene Israel Jew herself, recalls some of these traditions before they are lost. She also reveals some closely guarded recipes like chikcha halwa, rose biscuits, jumping potatoes, hameen, Jewish biryani, pakoda curry, agar agar jelly, and many more. Extensively researched with heartwarming anecdotes interspersed with beautiful illustrations, this book lays out a movable feast. Okay, so. <laughs> that's yes. i mean it kind of puts the book in a nutshell yes yes just, yes you know to most indians who are not uh, uh, jewish the the concept of kosher is uh, uh, yes is you don't understand it so explain that <laughs> okay <laughs> uh, well uh, there are three uh, three four methods basically that uh, first is as i told you uh, that that Uh, not cook the lamb in its mother's milk. That when they were uh, traveling in the desert for forty years before they reached the homeland, uh, yeah. they had cattle, and okay. it so happened that when you have cattle, you have calves, and yes. and and unknowingly, unknowingly or knowingly. Now this is a very very interesting for me. It's very interesting. Unknowingly in the desert, sometimes you may. uh sort of uh, decide to uh take an animal and decide to cook it but you don't know uh, but if you cook it in milk based uh, products like dahi or whatever yogurt it mm. could be made from the mother's milk that is one fear so that mm. should not happen so thou okay. should not cook the lamb in its mother's milk so even now after so many years Uh, more than five thousand years back, this law must have been made, and still we do not cook uh, meat dishes in dairy products. Simple, 
not mm. is the i mean and there has to be four to five hours difference between mm. uh, meat dishes and dairy products even when you are consuming it yes yes like it's not even allowed uh, say uh, some very very orthodox juice like if you are having a uh, uh, mutton curry then on the chapati you will not apply ghee simple because ghee is made out of uh, dairy so mm. it's so simple as that the second is the slaughter rule which is uh, totally different and more mm. or less more or less prayers are each food that has to be kosher is especially more in western countries where there are rabbis who are trained mm. to bless the food that it is okay. good for uh, consumption uh, mm. sometimes and, and there is a very very intricate law about it so these okay. are blessed and like say wine kosher wine now mm. uh, is uh, from um, most of the western country from israel onwards to most of the western countries you can get kosher blessed real carmel wine you know but okay. in india we can't and we especially we from gujarat we live in a dry state so <laughs> so uh, we have sherbat that is uh, dry black, uh, black uh, grape sherbat for years like that's that is our wine Uh, and in all the five regions it's made separate differently that's the only thing but we have sharbat instead of wine and only okay. if some uh, some traveling visitor is going to come for one of our festivals and we've invited this person to our residence and that person is carrying kosher wine then we'll have it of course so this kosher wine is blessed is it yes it's blessed and also it's uh, made in a certain way uh okay. according there is a very scientific method of uh, how which uh, grapes or which foods and which have to be taken and which have not to be taken and then blessed uh mm-hmm. and things like that so that is uh, one of the reasons that kosher uh and uh, the basic thing even if i uh, don't tell you the rest of the things the basic thing is milk and meat separation to okay. that to that limit that uh, in a very uh, i've stayed with a very uh, in a family uh, families in israel sometimes during conferences and mm. uh, there are separate in, in a kitchen there mm. is a separate fridge a separate uh, table a separate drawers and separate three four different separate things for milk for meat for fish for this and one spoon can't go to the other one cannot go to the other nothing is mixed all the, and they have uh, those who can uh, they have a uh, uh, sort of different fridge refrigerators for different foods oh i see so they have different yes oh yes they should oh, not the basic thing kosher is this hmm one should have it separate and but the basic is dairy and uh, separation of dairy and uh, meat issues yes okay but i've also seen that you know you've mentioned in your book something about scales on fish is that also part of your yes, dairy yes yes <laughs> no 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 a fish has to be uh, eaten with i mean we don't have shrimps you know indian juice oh yeah we can't Uh, oh, 
so mm-hmm. even if you that's what i mean you know that's when i told you earlier that when mm-hmm. you when we were uh, i mean so many years in india now naturally you are attracted right yes yes and we know that we have to do a denial hmm you, that is not to be had so the cross cultural conflict and mm-hmm. so uh, a sort of a cuisine which uh, can be uh, sort of a, it can be not almost like that but we know why we don't you know have to eat mm-hmm. it like mm-hmm. young people can question but why can't we have it you know hmm okay Huh. Oh, that's quite fascinating. But you huh. mentioned that in Kerala, the Kerala Jews eat uh, fish with scales. You said I think somewhere. No, no, said. everywhere, all over. But not, oh. not with, uh, uh, not. I have written there no shrimps, no. Hmm. Oh yes, yes, you have written. Huh. Okay, those sort of okay. Yeah, I mean, wow, uh, 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 shrimps and lobsters and crabs and that that area is not allowed. pork is not allowed hmm. yeah that that is known no so, no okay. pomfret so, is let me tell you pomfret is popular all over india with indian jews yeah it's popular <laughs> <isn't it? laughs> yeah. yes any yes. uh, community near yes. the sea is popular pomfret <laughs> yes as is bombil which you have mentioned bombil is uh, typical of bene israel is very fond of bombil and when they immigrated and even now it goes in sacks dried bombil goes in sacks to israel and most mm. uh, uh, jewish houses uh, bene israel jewish houses have bombil <laughs> oh <laughs> <laughs> it's a very quick actually there is a reason you know manjula that uh, <clears throat> uh we have this uh, again another law that uh, friday afternoon by 4 or 5 we have to finish all cooking for two days that's friday and saturday okay so uh, that same food that we cooked on till friday uh, 3 o'clock or 4 o'clock has mm-hmm. to be kept and eaten the next day till saturday that's the shabbat starts from friday evenings uh, 6:37 7 mostly to the next day that is okay. again uh, 7 on saturday and we have mm-hmm. to eat uh, the same food so what happens that uh, normally now we have refrigerators so we put it mm-hmm. uh, we cook extra and keep it there that's why there is like kanavali and this and that which is all or pulao's and uh, chicken and all this put together but sometimes okay. uh, if a family wants something very fresh to eat i'm talking of the bene israel now so yeah. normally they find that making a mongdal khichdi is mm. quick with bombil which goes very fast yes the so khichdi and bombil <laughs> as a saturday dinner after shabbat ends 7 pm so because it goes fast it's fast yes yes it's fast so there are many reasons to everything uh, while writing the book i realized that yeah. each thing has a reason and a scientific reason hmm how wow. so it's interesting <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hmm. i noticed like in your book while i was reading the recipes like hmm. what uh, indian jews eat much like the food in that particular region that they live in but with these laws yes yes, yes. right yes yes so, regional influences are there but that is one thing that uh, i have tried to explain hmm uh is that if they came from israel hmm 
then uh, they do make uh, say flat beans flat beans and okay. uh, a semolina uh, semolina cake semolina oh. cake mm. and chikcha halwa which is typical of benishkar okay which you will normally not find uh, with others other communities then okay. in in cochin also there are uh, arabic and spanish influences in pastel okay so so what i would say that besides the regional thing the 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 the, the countries they came from okay. have also influenced their food so the third is like say baghdadi jews also you will see that mm. there is a very strong influence of arabic dishes very strong okay. if mm. you read them in detail and uh, yes. uh, then uh, in uh, northeast uh, it's a little different because that whole region because they are mm. supposed to, uh, i mean there there most things we don't have documents and proofs so it's very difficult to make statements you know but yeah. there there is very strong that that whole area northeast far east slight uh, influences can be seen in their food okay besides regional food the area that you came from like say mm-hmm. as i told you about kochi there is the uh, spanish and uh, both spanish and arabic and uh, in kolkata arabic in uh, uh, in venezuela it's maharashtra and yeah. very strong maharashtrian influence but also yeah. some things uh, which have come with them through the ages Hmm. So with the with the country they came from, uh, even in um, uh, uh, sort of Bene uh, Ephraim Jews, there were mm-hmm. slight traces about their thing for eggs, you know, eggs. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Or the way these historical sort of influences still preserved within yes. the cuisine. Yes, you see, oh, there, there is a oral, oral memory, oral traditions remain. You see, even huh. if you come on to modern times, some mm-hmm. things, and there is always somebody who remembers better. Yeah. Yeah. So that's how. Mm-hmm. Like, see, the Benishar also makes something called alberas, and it's totally different. Hmm. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. Although they they eat, uh, we eat Indian Jews eat more rice than. Uh, during one or two festivals then western jews western jews have a different method totally different hmm. Hmm. yeah that's esther david the author of bene appetit the cuisine of indian jews this was a hindustan times production brought to you by hd smartcast hd smartcast